Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 13. And after six days, Jesus took his, with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents for you. Uh, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from heaven said, uh, from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision, until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples said to him, Then why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? Jesus answered, Elijah just come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognise him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. If you want to keep that open, uh, it, it, good to see you, Joe. I can't actually see you, uh, but I can see you that you're on the Zoom call. Uh, so you, it's great that you're listening in, and I hope you can hear us all right. Um, we're all here. Um, so, so we've just read the passage from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 13. How do you see Jesus? How do you see him right now? Does it even matter how you see him, what, what you think of him? Lots of people would say, it doesn't really matter. It makes no difference. In Matthew's Gospel so far, we've been hearing lots of suggestions about who Jesus is, yet there is only one that Jesus affirms. It's easy to remember, it was back in chapter 16, verse 16. Remember, Peter said this, he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, This came to Peter from heaven. It didn't come from man, it must have come from my Father in heaven. So it's the right view of Jesus. It's, it's seeing him correctly. And so Jesus starts to explain what this identity will mean for his mission, didn't he? And for their mission. And it's not what we or they expect. Because it's going to involve Jesus being rejected, killed. And Jesus says that if you're going to be my follower, then the same thing will come to you. You will suffer and be rejected too. So that was a bit of a surprise, a bit of a change of direction, um, or so it seemed. But previously Jesus had said, hadn't he, that they would be dragged before kings and governors for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. So Jesus has said this is going to happen to these guys. And Jesus has set out in that very conversation that he would be raised from the dead. He wouldn't stay dead. And that through Peter's testimony about him, Jesus' church would spread throughout the whole world. 
And that's why we're sitting here today. As people in Dagenham hear about him, Jesus, those that follow are taking that same truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and explaining it to those that they meet. And Jesus is building his church. And it does bring opposition. And the question for us or anyone who is going to follow Jesus is, how will I see Jesus and keep seeing Jesus when the opposition comes? Because I don't know about you, it would be far easier to look at the people who are more powerful and more of an issue for me um, in terms of how I feel. Before such powerful men, what will give the disciples and us the courage to keep speaking? That's the question we're looking at. And how will we see Jesus? Well, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will give them the words to say uh, when they, when they need, need it. And here he gives his disciples a preview of his full resurrection glory. So this is a preview. You know all of those, uh, they spent millions, don't they, on like uh, blockbuster Hollywood trailers, don't they? Because they want you to watch the movie. And this is the preview of Jesus' full resurrection glory. And it's, it's just after he said that he's going to die. But he will be raised. So we see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And we see that in the first four verses. Remember in verse 28, Jesus said this uh, of the last chapter. Verse 28 of chapter 16. He said, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. There are some standing here. Who is he talking to? The disciples. And in verse 1 of chapter 17, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John. So he takes Peter, James and John up a mountainside. The voice from heaven is going to confirm all that Jesus has been saying about his suffering and death. And this glorious vision of Jesus, if just for a moment, is going to be for them a reminder of his authority and and his true glory. Because when they face opposition, they need to know that Jesus is the one in charge. They need to know that it's going to work out in the end. They need to know that even though Jesus is going to be handed over to death, that he will rise again and that he will return in glory. They need something unmistakable and unforgettable and Jesus gives it to them. Peter never forgot it. So if you want to turn your Bibles to to Peter, chapter 1. Verse 16. Does someone... Oh, I'll read it, don't we? Um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. It says this. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honour and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory... This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter is talking about this exact occasion. And he's not forgotten. It's unforgettable. And it's important, isn't it, that we see Jesus in his glory 
so that we too can be confident and have courage to speak about him. Uh, Interestingly, the Son of Man sitting in his kingdom is exactly what Stephen sees. Do you remember what what happened to Stephen in Acts? (laughs) Yeah. I mean... That doesn't happen every day. I mean, just the other day, Faramaz got jumped by two guys. Um, you know, but that doesn't happen every day. And that wasn't for being a Christian. That was just because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But, you know, Stephen was... Held, people held rocks at him because they were furious with him about what he was saying about Jesus. And interestingly, if you look at... Uh, I'll read it. Acts chapter 7, verses 55 to 56. What, Peter, what Stephen sees and then says out loud so that everyone knows he sees it as he is being put to death is this he says behold I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God behold I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God the son of man in his kingdom the foretaste of that and Stephen is, that is the thing that he sees and is holding on to as people are taking his very life. So in terms of opposition, this, this is going to help us. This is going to give us confidence, courage to keep speaking about Jesus. Jesus has just said, hasn't he, that anyone who wants to be my follower will have to take up their cross. And they will be rejected. And that won't be easy. And so, for us too, uh, we need to hear this. That Jesus is the Son of Man and he is coming in his kingdom. And we get a glimpse of what that kingdom looks like here. Um, So let's look at it together in verses 2 to 3. Back in Matthew, sorry. Matthew chapter 17, verses 2 to 3. We're going to see Jesus' appearance and the company he keeps. In this kingdom, okay? Jesus' appearance and the company he keeps. Verses 2 to 3. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. First, then, Jesus' appearance. What is the picture of Jesus? What is the view of Jesus in his glory, in his kingdom? And uh, I was walking to Barry's the other day. To the, what was I doing, Barry? I think I was just going to have a cup of tea with Barry. And I, I heard this chopper in the sky. And I thought, I'll look up at it, shall I? Well, I couldn't. Because it was somewhere near to the sun. <laughs> you know, obviously not. But in my perspective, all I could see was the sun. And I just couldn't see anything else. And that's the view here we have of Jesus. It's fair to say that he is just lit up. Try looking at the sun. This is the kind of blazing light that Jesus is seen in. And his glory is shown in that way. Light is the overwhelming feature of his appearance, isn't it? His face is so bright that the only comparison is to say that it shines like the sun. He's He's transfigured before them. He, 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 He was just this man standing before them. And then they suddenly see... What's behind his, you know, the humanity? <laughs> he, he looked like an ordinary person, but really he's, he's God. 
and they see that. Um, if, you, if you look uh, to Revelation chapter 1, this is a foretaste of what Jesus will... Well, it's, it's just a picture of Jesus. Um, and it says, that this, it says that in Revelation chapter 1. It's verse 16. Yeah, verse 16. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. This is the Son of Man. So the Son of Man in his kingdom is glorious, and there's nothing quite like it. The closest we can get to describing it is to say he shone like the sun. His face shines like the sun. His clothes are as white as light. So that's his appearance. It's pretty spectacular. Uh, what about the company that Jesus is with in this kingdom? Well, we see that in verse 4, don't we? Um, at verse 3. And behold, there appeared to them... Remember, this is a vision for the disciples, so that they would see this. He appeared... There appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Who were the people? Moses and Elijah. Speaking with Jesus. Luke tells us a bit more about what they're talking about. And he says they're talking about Jesus' departure. Everything that he is about to accomplish at Jerusalem. They're talking about his death. And you can imagine Elijah's excitement as he heard Jesus explain his death to him and all of those prophecies that are rifling through his mind he's just ticking off every single one prophecies about the one who would suffer and die that's about Jesus and you can imagine Moses' delight because he was the one who received the covenant from God the the commandments of God the law on 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 Mount Sinai And it was with a cloud and a voice from heaven, such that only he could approach. And you can imagine his excitement, having seeing that Jesus is going to fulfil the covenant that God made with his people. So they're having that conversation. We can kind of understand, can't we, why Peter says uh, in that verse, uh, Lord, it is good that we are here. It's a bit of an understatement of the century, isn't it? I don't think he just says it like, Lord, it's, it's good that we're here. You know, as we do when we go to see a friend or something. It's amazing. It's incredible. I don't know what you've got planned for Netflix or something later on, but if you could tune into this podcast and listen to Jesus speaking with Moses and Elijah, that would be riveting, wouldn't it? It would be Amazing. And so Peter's not really thought this one through, but what he doesn't want is it to end. He says, right, I'll fix this up, Jesus. I'll have one tent for you, one tent for Moses, one tent for Elijah. It'll all be very civilised. We'll stay here. But Jesus has just told Peter, hasn't he, what his identity means for his mission. Jesus must go to Jerusalem. And so whatever Peter's motive here in wanting to stay on the mountain is clearly incompatible with that, isn't it? Jesus can't stay on the mountain. He's just told Peter that. 
So it takes a voice from heaven, and we're getting to our second point. Uh, Jesus is my son, listen to him. And it takes another conversation as they descend the mountain to straighten things up. So let's look at the voice from heaven in verses 5 to 8. Peter was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So Peter's still speaking about his plans. But the voice from heaven interrupts him. It's not Jesus this time, but it's the Father. And again, the Father says some words we've heard before in Matthew. This is my son, with whom I am well pleased. But there's an addition, isn't there? Listen to him. You need to listen to him. Everything that he's been telling you, you need to listen to that. What he came to do, you need to listen to that. Don't think you've got a better plan. Listen to him. Listen to him as he speaks about his death and the reason why he came to die. Well, with that, uh, the disciples are now flat on the floor because they know that they're in the presence of God. You know, you see the bright cloud uh, in verse 5. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed him. It's the same brightness as Jesus himself. So the Father and the Son share the same glory. And, and the voice comes and, and they realise that they're in the presence of God. They, need to, they just bow down, face the ground. And, and frightened, terrified. Until Jesus comes and places his hand on them and says, rise and have no fear. Well, that's the voice from heaven saying, listen to him. He is my son. I'm pleased with him. And what he's saying about what he needs to do is true. Um, so that's, uh, so have you ever had the situation when you, your mind wanders? Maybe even now. Uh, when you're talking with someone. But it's even more embarrassing if you're talking with someone. Because you become conscious that whatever they are, you're going to ask them next could have been what they were just telling you. So a question can either show you've been listening or it can show you haven't been listening. If, if you do ask something that they've just asked you, well, they've just told you, well, it shows that you weren't listening. It tells them that. They can see it clearly. And this is one of those questions. Uh, so as Jesus and the disciples head down the mountain, the question they have for Jesus is there. And it's in verse, uh, verse 10. The disciples asked him, then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? Okay, that's their question. They've just seen Elijah on the, on the mountainside. And that, what, what are they referring it to? They're saying the scribes say this. So they've joined two and two together and they've got five. And they've said, the scribes say this, Jesus, and we've just seen Elijah 
What's that about? Okay? And yet it, can't, it really clearly shows that they haven't been listening to Jesus. Uh, because if you look, if you heard back in chapter 11, Jesus clearly said this. He says, all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah, who is to come. The prophecy that, they, that the scribes were talking about and that people were you know, wondering about was back in Malachi. It's pretty much the last prophecy you get in the Old Testament, even the last sentence. And it said that one like Elijah would come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Great and awesome uh, day of the Lord. And so they were all waiting for Elijah, but, but they'd missed him. And Jesus has to show them that the people that they're listening to have completely missed John the Baptist and his coming. Remember back in chapter 16, at the start of chapter 16, Jesus said, do, he gave them a warning. And he said, what did he say? Chapter 16, watch and beware of the leaven or the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So he's warned them about the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he says, be warned. And really what they're listening to is them. And they're listening to them above and beyond Jesus. Uh, Because Jesus has already said that Elijah has come. And the important thing is, if they didn't see John and recognise who he is, well, they're not going to see Jesus and who he is. Um, in verses 11 and 12 of our passage, Jesus does something we've heard him do before. So he says, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. And he says, but I tell you, where have we heard that before? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, uh, you have heard it said, uh, honour your father and mother and you know, whoever dishonours his mother or father should be put to death. But I tell you, you see, Jesus quotes something that they think, oh yeah, this is really authoritative, something the scribes have said, but I tell you. Now Jesus isn't denying the fact that he says Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognise him. Jesus, they need to listen to Jesus and what he's telling them. They need to listen to him because if they listen to anyone else, they're going to get the wrong, they're just going to miss it entirely. Their interpretation, the the scribes' interpretation of Elijah and that passage uh, is from those who had failed to see John as the fulfilment of it. And it really has coloured their whole mountaintop experience because um, as they're coming down the mountain, they could be asking Jesus a whole host of things, couldn't they? What kind of things might they want to ask Jesus about? What were you chatting with Moses and Elijah about? Well, we heard some of the conversation, you know, you're speaking about your death, tell us about that. They're not asking him that. They're coming to Jesus and saying, this is what we know, Jesus. You see? We've heard, this, we've heard it said that Elijah must come. Really, they're kind of just showing what they know. And they really do miss the opportunity to ask Jesus about his death and his resurrection. Twice already he's spoken about his resurrection. 
He spoke about it back in um, chapter 21. He said, uh, on the third day, be raised. And Peter's just upset with him about it and saying he can't go to the cross. Um, He's just said it now. We just skipped over it and they did too. But he said, um, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the son of man is raised from the dead. In verse 9. So twice he's told them that he will be raised. And yet they're still not really listening to him. Because if they had, then the next time that he tells them, in verses 22 to 23, they wouldn't just have the reaction that they had. So in verse 23, and they were greatly distressed. He said there, and he will be raised on the third day. They've just seen a preview of Jesus in his glory, in his future kingdom. And in his resurrection body, really, what he's going to look like when he's raised from the dead. He's he's proven to them that he raises people from the dead because there's Moses and Elijah there. And yet all they can see is the the death of Jesus and they're greatly distressed. So really, they they need to listen to him to see that he is is the one who would be sent to die, but who would be raised to life. And so they wouldn't just get... The, you know, he listened to what other people were saying about him. It's amazing, isn't it, how um, patient Jesus is with them and how loving he is. Uh, if it was me, I'd be saying, you're just not getting this. I give up. But Jesus graciously keeps showing them the importance of his death so that they would keep seeing that this is the important thing. I have to go to the cross. And I have to die in order that you might be with me in in this glory. Because it's all very well showing them the glory of his kingdom. But if they're kept out entirely because their sin hasn't been paid for, then they wouldn't be able to enjoy it with him. So if if Peter had his way and there was no cross, then they wouldn't be with him in his kingdom. No one would be able to be with Jesus in his glory, to see him face to face. And yet Jesus knew that and he he went to the cross. He goes down the mountain, doesn't he? So he goes from the mountain top. He could stay there, but he comes down the mountain. And the next hill, you know, the the hill he's going to climb is a hill to Golgotha where he's put to death on the cross. So Jesus is the son of God, but he came to die. He came to lay down his life. So that we could be with him in his future kingdom. So listen to him. No no wonder the command from heaven was that. Because they just weren't listening to him. No wonder Jesus' warning about the people who uh, did not recognise John just continues, doesn't it? Because Jesus says about them in verse 12. They did not recognise him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So it's not just that they didn't recognise John and they just uh, forget it. They did to him whatever they pleased. And they're going to do the same thing, he says, to the Son of Man. So it's not that these guys are neutral about Jesus and they just happen to have not interpreted the scriptures rightly. They're actually the ones who put John to death. And that's 
shows that they're not the people to be listening to. That their true colours is red for blood, isn't it? Um, no wonder Jesus says then in verse um, in that verse, verse ten. Sorry, verse nine. Tell no one this vision. He says, tell no one. Odd, if you think about the fact that he said that Peter's confession is going to be the one that the testimony that he builds his church on, and then he says, ho ho ho, tell no one this vision. <laughs> You've just seen who I am, but but tell no one. And it's because until he is raised. They will not really understand what his kingdom is about. And they will not really understand what he came to do. And so they need to understand it first in order to be able to share it with others. Well, what does this mean for us? Well, the disciples got to see Jesus as he really is, as he really is now. He is the son of man in his kingdom he has been raised from death to life and he's glorious and one day when he returns we will all see him as he is it won't be describing him anymore it will be seeing that for our very eyes in our very eyes Jesus says that's how we will all see him when he returns the son of man coming in the glory of his father. He said that in chapter 27 of the last chapter, uh, verse 27 of the last chapter. You will see, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father, and then he will paper each person according to what he has done. Cyprus got to see it that day. Um, and it was so that they would have confidence when they're speaking to people and facing opposition. But they would see that his future kingdom is just guaranteed. The resurrection is going to happen. And it did happen. And so the glory of the Son of Man in his kingdom is, is what we're going to see when he returns. Um, Jesus came down from the mountaintop with eyes fixed on Jerusalem so that... Uh, so that we would not be face down in fear when he returns. Because what does he say to the disciples? He says in verse um, 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. <laughs> and that's what we'll be on, on the day when Jesus returns. You know, we'll be faced with him and in his glory and we'll be face down on the ground but he will say to us because he has died for us he will say to us rise and have no fear you'll feel the warm you'll feel the touch of your of his hand on you and say he'll say rise and have no fear there's nothing to fear and um, so as we his people um, follow him and face suffering and rejection for that. We can know that he is, he is the one who will say that to us on that final day. And we can have full confidence and courage um, in speaking about him. Because his kingdom is the only kingdom. 
And we'll need this vision, won't we, of his glory to come. As people, perhaps in your own families, say, you know, this is just a load of rubbish. You'll need that vision of his coming kingdom and him in his glory. The fact that he was raised from the dead. The fact that he will return. And you'll need to keep listening to him. We'll need to keep listening to him. To keep showing us that. His glory. Uh, the fact that he, was, he, was, he laid down his life for us. And the fact that he rose again. And that he now is seated with the Father. And will return. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you that um, in your coming, you, uh, that in, in the coming of Jesus, we see um, who you are. Thank you that um, he was a man uh, and his glory was veiled uh, in order that he might come to lay down his life for us. Thank you that he is the son of man who, um, who came to suffer and die for the sins of the world but he is a son of man who now reigns in God glory in his kingdom and uh, we thank you so much that all of the scriptures point to him uh, that there will be no doubt um, as to his authority his kingdom on the day when he returns so we do pray um, that when we too like the disciples face um, opposition for speaking about him that we would remind ourselves that it is what you have said will happen, but we will also have the picture of you uh, in your kingdom, raised to life and returning as the ruler over all things. So that we would know that the people that we face, uh, though they seem powerful and, and, and really threatening, that they do not have the final say. Uh, we, we pray that you would give us courage to speak about you so that others uh, would be brought into your kingdom, that they would be with you in your glory and not in your judgment. We thank you so much for Jesus that he laid his life down on the cross and that he speaks that word of rise and do not fear. That in your presence we can be those who uh, enjoy you and delight in you and live forever and do not taste death because you tasted it for us. We thank you so much. Amen. Right.